to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Welcome to another episode on Freshly Forever. Today, I have the pleasure of having Chris Ruttle here with us. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Good morning, Vi. I'm, I'm great this morning and great to have a chance to talk to you today. Oh, wonderful. I just thought it's very, very crucial for us to just kind of look at what students go through in today's world. And in 2020, it has become all the more significant. So I thought we'll just look at prepping method methodically for success in high school, college, and beyond. So you think that's that's something that we could target today, Chris? Very much so. We spend a lot of time in our business at Best in Class talking to parents about this and it's a big concern for families today. Okay, um, so why don't we st- set the stage here for our conversation then? And let's have you, uh, Chris, tell our student and parent listeners how expectations change from the time a student is in elementary and moves up to middle and high school. I guess a lot of kids wonder what middle and high school would look like for them. So if you can just kind of give um, your ideas and views on what exactly one can expect in that stage, that would be great. Yeah, very much so. I think uh, especially today, we have to think of education as a journey, not a destination. We're not going to get to a point where we can say, I'm fully educated and uh and uh, I'm done. Indeed, even kids leaving college nowadays, if they're in any technical field, probably in five years, their knowledge is going to be obsolete. So, but as you're preparing yourself, I think if you look at the transitions going from elementary school on, one is you start to learn concepts, but over time, you move more to applying concepts. Uh huh. So you're making a transition from gaining knowledge to knowing how to apply the knowledge. Second is you start out being very directed in the instruction. You do exactly what the teacher says. And each transition from elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, then high school to college, it's more independent learning. And in fact, once you get to college, most professors don't even take attendance. So you could skip (laughs) classes if you wanted to. Uh, It's up to you to take care of yourself, not not the professor to check on you. And finally, you can go from general uh, instruction, so learning the basics, how to write, how to do math, things like that, and move towards more specialized learning based on your needs, based on your interests. So as you get further along in high in middle school, a lot of times the, the kids can have some sort of uh, specials, so to speak, that they pick. In in high school, they definitely get to pick some some uh, optional classes. And then in college, obviously, everybody's studying different. So you're moving from general knowledge that everybody needs to specific knowledge that you need for your career or your interests. Oh, yeah. Um, I think that's that's just very, very important that uh, you kind of set the stage for us there by explaining what that process entails. 
I think uh, it's very important for students to realize that it becomes uh, or there comes a time when they have to really stand up for themselves, be independent, uh, just learn to do what they need to do um, on their own. And that's kind of where it helps foster creativity as well. And so I think that's that's really good. So how important is individualized attention at this stage versus a group setting that they get in bigger school classrooms? Like to what extent students need this to be successful? Yeah, well, it's, it's a great topic, especially today in the COVID environment where uh, a lot of kids have gone to distance learning, which uh, sometimes can reduce the individualized attention that kids receive. <laughs> but the, the easy answer is it depends on the person because some kids thrive in this environment uh-huh. online and they can learn like crazy. Other kids struggle because they need the face-to-face interaction. Uh, but I found that individualized attention uh, is needed, particularly in two areas. One is when you're dealing with a difficult subject or you're dealing with a transition. So going like from uh, elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school, a lot of times you need special help in those transitions. And another one is uh, it's most important when learning how to learn. And all of us have stories about the teacher that really touched us, the teacher that got us motivated in school. And I think that's a sign of the individualized attention that somebody has stayed with us our entire life because uh-huh. we've, they've changed our educational environment. So so it is important. It is a component. But the reality is a lot of school is going to be in group environments. So you have to mix the individualized attention with the group environment. Yeah, I realize. I think it certainly resonates with me when you say, you know, there are certain teachers that make an impact on an individual. And I have personally felt that in my uh, school and college life. Um yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just uh, really happy that you brought this up. Well, you know, I think that the most important thing is, like I said, that teacher or teachers has probably helped you learn how to learn. And going back to what we said at the beginning, education is a journey. And it's not just sitting in school. Mm-hmm. Every day you're learning. And, and so the teachers that equip us to be able to adapt to new circumstances and to learn how to thrive in those circumstances are the ones we remember for the rest of our lives. Oh, totally, totally. So what areas should students focus when they choose their courses in school? What do you think can set them up for career success? I know you have reached uh, the pinnacle in your own career. You know, you have served as a C-level executive in a couple of companies and, um, you know, you have been at the top in uh, one of the GE companies as well. So I, I think there's no better person to answer this than you, Chris. Well, picking courses, I mean, as a very basic level, and it may sound a little crazy, but make sure you're meeting your graduation requirements. Uh-huh. Now, now, your counselor usually helps you 
But at the end of the day, Georgia says you have to have a certain set of courses to graduate. You better follow that or else you won't graduate. Mm -hmm. So that's a very basic. Uh, The second is what are your interests? And when you're younger in middle school, when you first get to pick your specials, it may just be things you like. But hopefully by the time you're into high school, you're beginning to pick things that potentially you want to do for the rest of your life. You're not making the selection permanently, but you're test driving. So if you like science, you may take more AP science courses. Or if you like literature, it may be over there. Mm -hmm. Or use extracurriculars, which are part of your education, to test out various things that you want to do. Uh, And the last thing in general, I would say, both for applying to colleges, because they look at the rigor of your classes, but for your purposes to be tested, take the highest degree of difficulty classes that you can thrive in because you want to be challenged. Absolutely. To work hard. So those would be the three things that I say as far as picking classes in school what you should be considering. Okay. So you uh, mentioned in the context of uh, fulfilling Georgia state's requirements, of course, we we all happen to be here in Georgia, but in the context of a global scenario, say when international students come in or uh, even here in the United States, when people from um, across the country, uh, kids tend to go to different colleges. And so, I guess the bottom line is make sure they fulfill all the requirements, make sure that one challenges to the level that, you know, possibly can demonstrate the rigor that colleges expect. And is that is that the message one should derive from it? Yeah, that's a good point. I had not thought about international students. And obviously there's there's other requirements. For example, you have to demonstrate knowledge of English. So, yes, you should pay attention to those things if you come and expect to study in the United States. Uh, with regards to the U.S. states, if especially if you're on a college uh, prep track, all of the requirements to graduate are about the same and do meet most colleges' requirements. But particularly if you're going to a very uh, selective school or a very selective program of study, you should take a look at those requirements at the college level because sometimes they do exceed what a state requires to graduate. So when you say uh, selective schools, we are talking the so-called top-tier schools or like the creme de la creme, like the Harvard and Stanford and the Ivy Leagues and whatnot, correct? Right. Right. Yeah, those are very, very selective. In a lot of cases, they're accepting less than 5% of their uh, applicants, Uh, But, for example, to touch on the Georgia area here, uh, UGA and Georgia Tech for Atlanta students are particularly selective because, among other things, they don't want to have schools that are completely full of Atlanta students. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a student that's in Macon or Valdosta that has a similar score might get accepted into UGA or Georgia Tech before an Atlanta student. So there are several parameters that come into play and not just the fact uh, 
that okay you know you are local or uh, it doesn't seem to come in one's favor all the time so how is it that kids can balance course curriculum and other extracurricular activities like i know you run this best in class education center in uh, two of the suburban areas here north of atlanta and so you see a lot of students yeah we do and uh you know the balancing of extracurriculars in school you know is really if you look at it getting back to the message again that that education is a journey it's balancing life and so extracurriculars fill us up or fill us out uh allow us to be more individualized and a lot of times the extracurriculars that kids get involved with it may be sports mm-hmm. and sports are very important to them not everybody will become a pro athlete but a lot of times the discipline it takes in sports carries over to education a lot of extracurriculars are give back and it's a little bit harder in covid but a lot of people volunteer at old folks home volunteer at hospitals uh do all sorts of things for their neighbors and those help build us out as good citizens help build us out as to maybe testing a, a career in healthcare or a career elsewhere and so the extracurriculars i think are important for education and important for one other reason There's an old saying that if you want something done look to a busy mm-hmm. person. And we can always look and say, "Oh, I'm too busy with schoolwork. I can't fit something else in." But I think part of the skill we have to have is how do we balance things? How do we make priorities? How do we get things done? And sometimes having a little bit more full schedule and there's a limit uh helps us perform better across even school. although we're not investing maybe as many hours in school so right there the kids are learning those skills and plus you know they get to become better citizens too and i have my own uh, high school senior who has done junior competitive tennis for over 10 years now and so i can completely relate to what you're saying what is it um that you would say to uh say any student or parent obviously everyone's goal is college education and i've heard some parents echo you know skepticism when it comes to hey would my kid even make it to college because they are an average student so what are the chances and opportunities that exist um as far as um college education yeah well You know, at the end of the day, there's a path for every student. Uh to start out, there are 4,300 schools, colleges uh in about in about uh 1,700 of those are public, 1,600 mm-hmm. are private, the balance for profit. So there's plenty of schools that students can pick from. and not all of them are so selective that if your grades aren't top uh that you can't get in in fact you know there's probably about 40 to 50% of the schools that accept 85% of their applicants so if college is what someone wants to do they can always get in and in fact when we're coaching students we tell them you should have six schools mm-hmm. picked out two fit schools 
Those are the ones that fit your grades, fit your requirements. Two may be stretch schools. You know, your grades may not be quite that good, but you really want to go there and you try it. Two are safety schools that even if your fit schools don't accept you, you know you can get in. So there will always be a way if you want to go to college to get there. But not everybody may be at leaving high school, college is the right thing. So, you know, a number of our students go to ROTC or to military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of the service academies, there's apprentice programs. Uh, there's apprentice programs run here in Georgia where kids start as a junior. Uh, they start learning, for example, how to run machine tools. Uh-huh. Uh, and in a period of a couple years, they graduate from high school, they get an associate's degree, and they get a journeyman's card, uh, which is a way of demonstrating that they can be a skilled worker. And they've done that not only with no tuition, no debt, they've been earning money while they work from, from a junior on in high school. And the last one is certificate programs. You know, a lot of kids nowadays like coding. And you don't have to go to college to learn to Uh code. You can take programs. Some kids teach themselves and you can get some good jobs just coding. So there are paths for everybody. And and that's where it's important for each student working with their parents to understand what it is that that uh, gets them up in the morning, so to speak, because we got to remember even though kids nowadays probably won't be in the same job for 40 years, okay, they will be going to work for 40 years and they better be doing things that energize them because even if you're making good money, if you dread getting up each morning, it's not a good look. Oh, yeah, there has to be a motivating factor uh, to do things and uh, uh, very, very well said there. Um, Can you give us a sense of, enrollments now and how pricing has evolved over the years. I know COVID has brought added dimensions in everything. And so how is it looking out there as far as the college scenario? Well, in a bigger, in a bigger stretch, if you look back 20 years, the price of higher education has risen faster than anything except healthcare. And it has exploded. And at the same time, a lot of families have chosen to take out loans to pay for these increasing costs. Mm-hmm. There's almost $1.7 trillion of student debt in the U.S. right now. Now, the important thing to remember of all the debt you can take on, it is the only debt that you cannot get rid of in bankruptcy. So once you take on student debt, it's with you the rest of mm-hmm. your life. So you got to be careful with that. So, but uh, but uh, given that framework, a lot of schools, when you look at it, they've got their what you might call their list price that you see on their website. Uh, but most kids don't pay that full price. There are all sorts of ways of getting scholarships, getting grants. Uh, Some kids get federal grants. Uh, So there's all sorts of ways of having the pricing 
not as bad for you. Okay. But what's also happened then when you look at the enrollments recently, the demographics, there's less kids in the demographics now going to college. So the colleges, some of them are struggling now to get enough uh-huh. students. And, in, and indeed, some colleges have closed recently. They can't keep going. Okay. You add in COVID and across the country, uh, student enrollments this year are down 4%. For freshman classes, they're down 16%. And a lot of kids are saying, why should I go and pay that tuition for distance learning? Because most schools are doing distance learning. Interesting in Georgia, though, our student counts are up about 4% instead of down 4%. I've seen no real studies, but my guess is since we have HOPE scholarships, that a lot of Georgia students have stayed Mm -hmm. local. They're getting helped with their tuition. They're more willing to go forward in the current environment. Looking forward, though, what could happen this coming year for seniors this year? There's a bunch of kids that did not start college last last mm-hmm. September. If they decide to start this coming September, there's going to be more competition for the seats in the freshman class. Oh, I think uh, that already has been evident. Um, my uh, high school senior has received some feedback from uh, college admission counselors that hey, okay, our enrollments or our uh, early action applicants um, have skyrocketed this year. So I think with no tests being mandated, I think that has become an added uh, complexity, if you will, in the whole college process. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. So what is it if we were to kind of uh, look at the most important factors? What is it that colleges look for in candidates? Are APs important as an AP in the context of our global audience for everyone to understand the advanced placement courses? How important are these college-level courses uh, to any high schooler to be able to do it right at that stage? Well, I think... (laughs) We can talk about what colleges look for in general. Uh, A lot of this is specifically very, very important for selective schools and selective situations. But in general, colleges are looking for, number one, your GPA, especially GPA in college prep courses. Okay. They are looking for the strength of curriculum. Mm -hmm. That means is they look at high schools in general, which ones are the most rigorous. And in this area of Georgia, all the high schools are rigorous. But across the U.S., across the world, each school is thought of, each high school is thought of differently. But they look at the individual also. How many AP courses did they take? How many uh, advanced courses instead of on-level courses? So they look at the rigor of curriculum of each kid, and then they look at admissions test scores. Now, you're right. A lot of schools this year have made this test optional. Now, the word is optional. They do accept tests. (laughs) 
Okay. Now, some of the schools, when they've made a test optional, they say you have to provide other proof of your ability to perform, like other standardized testing you've gotten in school or graded assignments from the school. So you've got to look at the individual colleges sometimes. But I think, too, when you look at it, colleges have a hard time choosing who they're going to let in to their Mm -hmm. school. And when they get many more applicants than they have positions, they've got to decide on something. And so I think that a, a student that turns in test scores may have a little bit of a benefit versus somebody that doesn't because there's another thing that this college can look at. Okay. Um, Again, say the score is not to their expectation, slightly less, still does it make sense for them to turn it in? I know this year's applications are pretty much almost, you know, for 2020 uh, applicants um, going into fall of 2021 school year it's pretty much done, but for the future, just for kids to have an idea and also about the college essay, how important is that? Okay. Yeah. As far as, you know, should I turn in a test score? Uh, you know, it may not be an option next year. Okay. The Most of the schools have said there are some schools that have made it test optional forever, but most of the schools have said it's just for this year and they'll revisit it next year. So juniors this year can't count on SAT and ACT being Mm -hmm. optional. Uh, So that's one thing to think of. I think that uh, the other thing is that uh, other items that can get more important if you don't turn in a test score, the college essay is one. It is very important because basically the essay the way it's set up is a chance for you to sell yourself. So it's almost like a unique identifier for the student. Right. It's extremely important. And the essays, what you want to do is not have a laundry list of how great you are because you did all these things. You want to either talk about a situation you really struggled with and how you grew Some of the prompts ask you, why are you a good student for us? Which you have to do a little bit of study of their institution. Mm -hmm. Important to them, you've got to respond to it. Some of them, the, the prompts are creative and you've got to respond creatively like, uh, is it tough to be a teenager nowadays? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so The way you express yourself, particularly if you do not have a test score, if you decided not to turn in a test score, is important. Getting good recommendations from teachers. Most schools look for recommendations from people in the school. Although you can get good recommendations outside of school, they're not looked at as important, except in some schools, okay? Uh, extracurriculars are important. All those things can help you, but they go back to your scores, your rigor of curriculum, your essay are probably the most important things in addition to the test if you choose to put it in. Now, talking about the test, if it is optional, there are cases like I've talked to one family where the young lady had almost a perfect GPA. 
and she never scored on a standardized test higher than 25th percentile. Mm -hmm. It was probably a good strategy that she did not turn in any test scores. Okay. Um, That makes sense. But I guess, why is it that kids, in your view, why is it that they are able to do so well in their academic curriculum and uh, amass such a good GPA, but on the other hand, um, they kind of, you know, they don't seem to do very well in the standardized testing? Yeah, setting aside, you know, that some people just don't test well, okay, there are some people. I think one of the biggest things is the test when they were set up, SAT and ACT were set up, their primary purpose was to test how well someone would do in the freshman year of college. Okay. That was the whole purpose. Nowadays, it's morphed because of great inflation at all the high schools. It's a way of measuring the differences between high schools also. Okay. And I think sometimes what you're seeing is that uh, it's demonstrating that maybe kids aren't totally ready for the rigors of the freshman year in college. And if you look at the two tests, you know, very, very basic, the ACT test is more basic on the questions asked. You have to act a lot quicker. You have a lot less time per question to answer. And it's also thought of as the appropriate test for STEM people, mm-hmm. okay? Because it's not a science test. The SAT is more application of knowledge. The questions are a little bit more involved. You have to interpret them a little bit more, okay? So, so that tests a different type of knowledge. So when you look at the testing, picking your style, picking what you're best at, and then frankly, learning how to take the test. This is one case where we tutor a lot of kids. We want them to learn the subject, but this is a rite of passage. To a certain extent, you have to learn how to take the test. It's not just content. And so it helps to have somebody guide you through the intricacies of the type of test you choose to pick. Absolutely. I think uh, that's where people like you, I think uh, students can certainly take your help on that. So when should students visit colleges and get comfortable that, okay, this is perhaps one of the institutions that I should apply to. So is it sophomore year? Okay. 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. When is it like sophomore or junior? When is the right time to start doing something like that? Well, you know, some families, you know, just visiting, and I'm saying without, you know, a visit to the college admissions department, they visit colleges very early on, particularly if, for example, there's a legacy situation. Mm-hmm. All the Both parents went to Clemson, for example, and they want their kid to go to Clemson. Well, that kid's seen Clemson when he's young. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, but But in general, I think it... It helps that the student has begun to understand what they want to study because you've got to pick an institution that has a program for that. And they should begin to think, do I want to be in a big school or a small school? Do I want to be in a rural school or a city Mm -hmm. school? And if they don't know that, then visiting a series of colleges to check that off is probably good. I would say that you might want to 
if if the child wants to check that aspect, you might want to start like your sophomore mm-hmm. year. But then your junior year, when you're really beginning to narrow down, and our suggestion is to the six schools I talked about before, junior year is when you should be visiting the six schools. Now, nowadays, a lot of schools don't want you on their campus. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, a lot of those visits are virtual visits. Okay? So, so... You have to take advantage of those virtual visits. You know, you usually have to register because the schools want to know if you're doing it. Okay. So those are good surrogates for the time being. Yeah. And it perhaps comes in very handy for uh, international students as well to be uh, able to get that virtual visit and uh, become familiar with the process and the campus and whatnot. And so right. right there, what is your advice for international students wanting to pursue higher education here in the United States? Well, I think that most schools have gone with virtual visits, which I think they're better off than ever before to understand what the campuses look like. Uh, for those of us in the States don't understand that most international students apply and accept the uh, position at a college without ever mm-hmm. visiting it. And they just show up on campus and that's their first day there. Okay. So they're going to have a chance to see the campus a little bit more. Okay. I think that uh, what they have to be looking at is, is this the campus that's going to allow me to get the education I want for my background? Mm-hmm. And so they shouldn't, uh, for my background and my goals, they shouldn't pick a campus because it's got a good name because it may not have the name in the field of study they want to study. Okay. Okay. So so it's important for them to check that out. Okay. Excellent. Uh, what is the role of best-in-class education center in helping students be successful from K through 12. I know you guys are a family-owned business. Uh, you, uh, Molly, Carter, and Allison, your uh, wife, son, and daughter are part of this uh, business and running the two centers here in Milton and Johns Creek, Georgia. So what is the role of you um, guys, like basically best-in-class education center in shaping students be successful right from K through 12? Well, uh, thank you. And and yes, we're a family that uh, is very education-based, even to grandparents. And we really uh, have a passion for education and for seeing kids succeed. And so when we had a chance to start a business like Best in Class, we liked it because it has a track of math and English enrichment. So we have a curriculum that's tied to what's expected each school Mm -hmm. year, able to help reinforce the foundational skills of math and English. But with a twist, what we like about our curriculum, getting at what I said before, it's not just learning the concepts. Our curriculum applies the concepts. So like there's a lot of writing in English. There's a lot of word problems in math to answer, will I ever use this math in my life ever again, uh, type of thing. So that's one track. We do a lot of tutoring. Mm-hmm. The tutoring tends to be younger kids learning to read 
and older kids struggling with math and science. We, we do other things with tutoring, but if you look, the bulk of tutoring is that. And that's where kids need a little bit extra help because they've fallen behind. They're usually at risk of failing a mm-hmm. class. They need the individualized attention we talked about before. And we've seen some fantastic turnarounds, even in this era of COVID. Uh, we've had a number of kids start as low as in the 40s, and they've gotten up to B grades in, in this semester. The last thing we do is test prep. So for the older kids, we do uh, ACT and SAT test prep. We start with a mock test. We map out what they know and don't mm-hmm. know, and we instruct them in what they do need to know. For younger kids, we do gifted test prep. And if it's available or if it's needed, milestones test prep to help them at the end. Uh, and the last thing we do is we have a college admissions workshop. So for kids that really want to be guided through the whole process of selecting schools, making sure they fill out the application, getting help with essays, uh, even finding scholarships, we can help them with that. Now, supporting all this, we are a sponsor to the majority of the schools in our area. Mm-hmm. So we support them financially. We support them with doing uh, uh, presentations to parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, we support them with, in some cases, we we uh, look at scholarship applications where the school gives scholarships to their seniors and they want somebody outside the school to look at the applications. So we do a lot of things because we want to support the local environment and help kids succeed. And it takes more than them coming to our center. Okay. So it's almost like uh, the whole personality as such, you know, you kind of mold them and make them like better people and you help them in every possible way in navigating this journey, which can be very perplexing. Um, So as a takeaway from this show, what is it that you would tell students and parents? Um, I would tell them that, uh, number one, there's a path for every student. And don't compare your student to their cousin, to their next-door neighbor, or whatever. Uh, No matter what situation they are, they have a path forward to a full life to life where they can take care of themselves. And so you have to adapt the expectations to what the kid can do and and wants to do, okay? The second thing is though that uh, sometimes it is perplexing. Uh, In the case of this local area, we have a lot of families that they have just come to this country. They went to college in a different country. They don't understand the process. Mm -hmm. The schools do a good job with the counselors. There's people like us that can help you too, but ask questions. Don't struggle and ask questions early. Particularly in high school, there are things you should be doing freshman and sophomore year that prepare you to be ready for going to college. So just ask questions. And then the third is, though, that at the end of the day, the student has to understand that they've got to do their part. They have to study. They have to do well. They have to apply themselves. You know, not everybody is an A student, but if they're applying themselves and getting the grades that you know are appropriate for them, then they've done their part. 
but but they can't just say a oh, school is boring i'm not going to you know study or my teacher this or whatever they've got to do their part to make sure that they succeed because as they get older as we talked at the beginning it's more on them not so much on their teacher mm-hmm. such an encouraging uh, message uh, chris um one there is a path for everyone no matter what and then for students to definitely have to put in effort and very very importantly enough for parents to not compare their child to anyone else even to an older sibling perhaps um so yeah. enjoyed having you here in this conversation and uh, just for uh, people to be able to contact you is there a social media uh, avenue or an email or anything that you would uh, wish to share here in this forum with the listeners yeah yeah we have uh, we have facebook for both the milton center and the john creek center so whichever one you're closer to uh we also you can get a hold of us uh we have one phone number for both centers 678-332-2100 or you can get a hold of us on email uh either milton at bicedu.com or uh johns creek at bicedu.com so whichever way you'd like to get a hold of us and we'd like to get to know you we'd like to answer your questions and help you on your child's academic journey fantastic and probably in this virtual world maybe anyone can get to you as well and uh, thank you so much uh, for taking time to explain all this to our listeners and we appreciate your time we certainly look forward to i certainly look forward to having you again on the show and uh, we look forward to much more eye-opening insights from you. Thank you, Chris. Have a great day. Yeah. Take it easy. Bye-bye.